Good morning. Nice to see you, Fran. <laughs> As you uh, are aware, uh, this is School of Prayer Week 3. And just as a reminder, uh, we are in this School of Prayer, launched from the rubble of the Temple in Jerusalem, and using that sort of as an analogy and a springboard for the things that COVID has done to our routines and our lives and our patterns and recognizing that if we're going to reemerge from the, the rubble of what is broken, we need to build some things. And that it's important to make sure that the things we build first are the most important things. And our conviction is the most important thing is making sure this is a house of prayer, that we are people of prayer connected to our Heavenly Father at his invitation. I would remind you again that there are uh, folders with questions that accompany these messages, and they are on the glass in the lobby, in little plexiglass holders there. And if you don't have one already, you're welcome to take one with you uh, after the service is completed. Two Sundays ago, we addressed the topic of what is prayer. Last Sunday, we talked about why pray. And this Sunday, I would like to talk to you about uh, the approach to prayer and, and hopefully help you at some level to get uh, more comfortable with praying. Now, I, I understand right from the beginning that we, we all find ourselves in different places on this road to praying well. Some of us are newbies. Some of us have been praying for years and have deeply entrenched prayer lives that that vitalize us and keep us connected to the Father. And, and really, in many ways, uh, the sermons that I'm preaching are directed more towards newbies to new folks who are just beginning a life of prayer than to folks who are already well-established in prayer. And so I don't want anyone to think, folks who are well-established in the prayer life, that they should stop doing what they're doing and take on the exercises or things that I suggest. Because my goal isn't to replace what is already rich in your life. My goal is to help us all get to the place where prayer is a rich thing in our lives. So that, that sort of gives you uh, the idea of what I'm hoping for. It is true. I, I, it's verified in my conversations with folks here that, that prayer is uncomfortable for many people. Uh, most folks do pretty well at praying in a crisis because in a crisis or when we're in pain, we can just shout out and we don't pay attention to what we're saying all that much, and we're not self-conscious. We just want quick results. But the majority of praying is everyday praying. It's routine praying. It's part of the, the natural expression of our life in Christ. And, and when people start to think about, well, I'm going to have to pray, or I need to pray, or even I want to pray more, they begin to worry about some particular things. And it seems like some of these particular things are common to lots of folks. One of the things that folks worry about is, what if I pray for wrong things? How's that going to work? What if, what if my prayers are, are too selfish? What, what's it right to ask for? Should I only be asking for things that I need? Can I ask for things that I want but don't need? Do I have to take into consideration the needs of others around me when I ask for blessings from the Father? Can I pray for dessert when my neighbor has no food? Some folks are afraid that the prayers they utter might be inappropriate 
I mean, it's, it's never okay to pray for evil to fall on others. Justice, yes. Consequences, yes. Opposition to the plans of evildoers, yes. But just to arbitrarily pray for harm to come to another human, a human for whom Christ died, that wouldn't make sense. Folks are worried sometimes that their prayers will just be foolish. Sometimes we ask for things beyond which we can understand. We pray for good weather for our outdoor party when all the farmers in the neighborhood are praying for rain in the middle of a drought. And we're afraid of being caught up in something like that. But there are also folks who pray for protection when they take risks that they shouldn't be taking to begin with. I talked to someone recently who wanted prayer for, uh, was telling the story of a man who wanted prayer for protection for his son, knowing that his son was about to do things that were illegal. And I'm thinking, you know, wisdom sort of dictates if you don't commit burglary, you don't need the same level of prayer protection, perhaps. There's a conflict there. When we, when we do what God tells us not to do, and then it pray to not have the consequences of it, that's not a wise prayer. And, and we understand that when we pray, the Holy Spirit has promised to guide us in the truth. So he will give us the wisdom we need to connect our praying with the wisdom of heaven. Sometimes we worry about praying for things that are inconsistent with God's will. And we should worry about that at some level, but we don't always know what God's will is. And so it's okay to take to him the true desires of our heart when we submit to him at the same time. Uh, Sometimes, regardless of the level of faith that we have in praying, we have loved ones who still die. I mean, we never want our loved ones to die. It's always appropriate to ask God for healing. But there does come a time when the Spirit gives us insight and says, you know, this person will not get well. And we recognize that God hasn't made us physically immortal. And so his promise to us is he'll receive his people when this life ends. And so it's appropriate when the Spirit's revealed to us that our loved one will die, to pray that the Spirit will receive them in conformity with his will and his promise for them. I think it's always good to remember that when we approach praying, all of our approach to praying has already been initiated by God the Father. You remember the passage from Revelation 3.20 where Jesus says, listen, I'm, I'm standing at the door of your heart knocking, and if you open the door, I'll come in, we'll have dinner together. That's... That's Jesus saying he's already reaching out to all of us. And prayer is simply a matter of opening the door and inviting Jesus in again and saying, let's commune, let's, let's fellowship, let's, let's talk together. If we start prayer by inviting the spirit of Jesus to enter our hearts, he will help us pray. And we can relax about all those fears and all those things that might make us nervous as we enter into prayer. And we always have the promise, the promise from John 16, 13, that the Holy Spirit will guide us into truth. And so we can trust him to help us understand how to pray, especially if we begin 
by asking for his help. By approaching prayer in this way and remembering that we're coming at his invitation and that his spirit is anxious to help us in praying, then we can be confident that he'll alert us if our prayers are selfish, if our prayers are misguided, if our prayers aren't making sense. He will help us and we can relax in his help. Some of us, when we begin to consider praying, are just simply not sure what we should say. We're at a loss for words. Some of us, that is not a problem for. Others of us are at a loss for words. You may ask questions like, how do I address God? We may pray to Jesus. We may pray to the Holy Spirit. We may pray to God the Father or to any of the names of God we find in Scripture. Remember, we serve one God and all prayers, regardless of the name that we use from the Bible, is addressed to this one God. But but what do I say? What's the content of the prayer beyond just the things I want? Well, I would remind you that specific verbal formulas are not important. Prayer is not magic. There's no special prayer phrases that you have to use to be heard. Prayer is the honest communication between us and our loving Heavenly Father. In fact, Scripture goes goes to the point of saying that longer prayers are not better than shorter prayers. This is Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Prayers aren't better because they're longer or they're shorter. It's the sincerity of our heart that matters before the Father. If you get to praying and you realize you're stumbling for ideas of how to pray or how to approach prayer, there are various different organizational systems you might employ. One of my favorite ones, and perhaps the easiest one to remember, is the ACTS, A-C-T-S-S, prayer acronym. And the ACTS acronym is very simple. A stands for adoration. I begin my time of prayer by praising God for who he is, for who he has revealed himself to be to me. And I begin by worshiping in prayer, affirming who he has revealed himself to be to me and how I've seen that evidence in my life. The second letter, C, is confession. If I've done things wrong or not done the things I should have done, I confess that. I ask for forgiveness. I ask for uh, the leading of the Spirit to know how to offer restitution for the things I've done wrong. All of those things are part of the confession aspect of praying. The T stands for thanksgiving. I thank God for the gifts he's given me and When it comes to thanksgiving, none of us should be at a loss for words, right? We've been blessed beyond belief. And so we we pray thanksgiving to the Father. The first S is supplication. Supplication or petition, this is the time where we bring our requests to the Father as he's invited us to do that. And the final S is submission, where we submit our will to the Father and say again that we are his children and that Jesus is Lord. He is our master. And while he's invited us to bring our requests, we know that there will be times when the answer to some of our prayers might be no, and the answer to some of our prayers might be wait. 
and then some of the prayers might be later, or we'll see how that goes. We don't understand. We're not sovereign, right? The Father is sovereign. And so we submit ourselves to his will. I would also remind you that spontaneous prayers are not better than planned prayers. If you're not sure what to pray, if you're afraid of coming to the corporate prayer meeting and, and being at a loss for words, plan your prayer in advance. Sometimes we do this sort of in public praying already in a different kind of a way. You've been in a service where uh, we've taken prayer requests first and then we pray about those prayer requests. Well, the taking of prayer requests is like planning out your prayer, letting everyone know the things that we're praying for, and then we just proceed and pray for them. Well, another step in planning is, is perhaps writing out what is on your heart and bringing it with you to service so that you are prepared for praying. And you can do this in your devotional life too. You can, you can write out prayers that are meaningful to you, that shape you, that have, have a, a formative aspect to you. One of the cards that I carry with me, I have it in at least two different Bibles and in my diary and my journal, is Wesley's Covenant Prayer. It's a, it's a deeply significant prayer to me. And it's one that I use again and again and again because it, it addresses exactly how I feel. And it helps me address the Father to say very thoughtful things that I need to say. As important as spontaneous and heartfelt prayers can be, sometimes we sort of whip through those things without a lot of thought. And a, and a, and a written prayer that we've invested in that really reflects who we are can be very significant to us. You might want to engage the practice, if you're having difficulty thinking what to pray, of praying scripture. You can't do better than pray scripture. These are some of the psalms that you might choose for, for different times in your lives where you're wrestling with things. Psalm 69. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink deep in mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters. Reflective of how we may feel on a particular day. Or Psalm 95, a, a great psalm of praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. He is our God. We are the people of His pasture, the sheep of His hands. Or in times of confession, Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, creating me a clean heart, O God, put a new and right spirit in me, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Taking the Psalms and, and piecing together the words of different Psalms to create a prayer that you can use again and again can be deeply helpful to you. And it's always appropriate in our, in our times of corporate prayer to pray scripture and to invite the Spirit to, to use the Word of God to shape us and to, to help us address Him. The Psalms have always been the prayer book of the church, and we need to embrace that. For some folks, the difficulty is not knowing what to say or the content of praying. The problem is just a a shyness or fear 
of saying anything in public at all. I have to confess, I struggle a bit to understand that. I mean, when you're wildly extroverted as I am, and you've been talking all your life, it's hard to understand those folks who say, I'm really afraid to say anything in public. But I had, I had a little bit of insight last night to this fear, and that was, um, as you know, Caroline, who, was, who is the guitarist for the Saturday night service, got married on Friday, which means she's away this weekend, and so I had to like play the piano in public. That is akin to people who are afraid to speak in public having to say something in public. My hands get sweaty. They sweat off the keys. I hit lots of wrong notes. It's embarrassing. It's like, why do I have to do this? Um, if you're if you're shy and speaking in public is difficult, my natural advice to you is just you know buck up and do it. But I realize that's not helpful to anyone, and that's really bad advice. So I'm withdrawing that advice completely and saying these things. If you can bring yourself to take the risk, write out in advance what you want to say and bring it with you. And when we begin having in face-to-face prayer meetings again, which I expect to happen either during Lent or at the end of Lent, we'll just take time at the beginning of our corporate prayer for shy folks who want to read their prayers. We'll just give you special permission because it's important that you participate if you're able. There will be folks who will not be able to do that much, I understand. And so I encourage you to write out your prayers in advance and give them to one of your friends who will be present at the service and ask them to read them for you. Because then you're still participating and you're still here with us while we're doing the praying, even if you're just too afraid to speak aloud in public. And if even that much is impossible, pray silently, agreeing with those who are praying. It may be that in order to participate in the corporate setting, you just need to bring your prayer journal with you and write your prayers in your journals while we're praying. That's acceptable. Because it's still, well, you know, God can read. And it's still prayer. It's still vital communication with the living God. And if that's what's consistent with your personality and temperament, I say go for it. It may be that in public places, all you can manage is to utter brief words of agreement. Others are praying and and you wish you could pray the same thing, but you might add under your breath, let it be so, Lord. Grant that prayer, Lord. Yes, Lord, hear our prayer. Matthew 6, 5 is pretty clear that prayer doesn't have to be corporate. In fact, there are some dangers in corporate prayer. This is Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There's always the danger that some folks will come to corporate prayer and attempt to be prayer show-offs and use flowery phrases and all kinds of language as if they were trying to impress others with their ability to pray. 
Prayer is not about that. Prayer is about us honestly communicating to the Father and sharing in this in that experience together as the body of Christ together. Because corporate prayer is meaningful. It's different than private prayer in some level. The dynamics are different, but it's still meaningful in that it creates a unity of purpose and direction for the body of Christ together. It also allows us, while we're together praying, to test what one and another are hearing the Spirit say. Because sometimes we don't quite get the messages from God exactly right. And we need to verify, we need to test in the hearing of our other brothers and sisters in Christ what the Spirit is saying. Because it may be that our other brothers and sisters in Christ will say to us, you know, I I hear what you're saying, but how does that line up with what the revelation of the Word of God says? How does that line up with what God is doing in the world? And it's fair for us to encourage one another to think about what we're receiving from God in terms of the Word of God. And so it's important that we're together for that kind of reflection. The other thing that's really beneficial about corporate prayers is it allows us to hear one another praying, to know one another's hearts, so that we can continue to pray for the same things when we're not together. So we can carry those prayers through the week and help carry one another's burdens in prayer when we're not together. I guess I would add just one last advice before I comment a little further about our approach to prayer. And that is, when we're in the setting of corporate prayer, it's important to to pay attention to the instructions that are given for the unity of our prayer time. Corporate prayer happens in many, many different ways. I've been in prayer services where everyone prays aloud together at the same time. That can be a little confusing and a little frightening at times, but the reality of that approach to corporate prayer is that No people are listening to you pray, and so you feel less vulnerable in your praying. And some folks like that approach. Other times, the instructions given are for brief prayers. And if we have uh, shorter prayers together, it gives more people the opportunity to become involved. Um, If you ignore those kinds of instructions and you pray for 35 minutes in that setting, you may keep others from praying. And we don't want anyone to monopolize our corporate prayer time. We want to be in this together. Now, there will be other extended periods of time where it's fully appropriate to pray for a very long time. It's just a matter of knowing what we're doing together. Candidly, one of the um, one of the problems in corporate prayer is figuring out how we're going to do it together because people have different sensibilities of how it ought to happen. But it's more important than we do it, than we agree on how we do it. Uh, and so we've got to figure out what's going to work for us and, and how we're going to rebuild this uh, foundation of corporate prayer among us. I would say, especially in corporate prayer, don't feel the need to add special phrases or special word sequences or try to be as unselfconscious as possible when praying. I If there hadn't been a one funeral and one wedding week, and if this idea didn't come, had come to me earlier in the week, I realized on Friday that what I really wanted to do today was to have a drama for you. And the drama was going to be the prayer Olympics. And I was going to put three judges up here with number cards and then bring people up to pray and have a narrator and have the judges evaluate the prayers of these people to help make the point that prayer is not about the performance. 
because I was going to have one little girl finally just pray a short prayer and get the celebrity judge who was Jesus to send in a note to the judges and saying, that's the prayer that's most important to me. Because we get caught up sometime in the performance of praying or we say things like that was a beautiful prayer. But but a beautiful prayer is the prayer that touches the heart of God. And a beautiful prayer is the one that sincerely expresses myself as a child of God to my heavenly father. And anything beyond that is window dressing and not helpful to us. What we need is the vital connection to God through the Holy Spirit. What we need is the understanding of how helpless we are when we enter the throne room of God. That any power that exists in prayer is the power of the Father working through us to do His will. That's, that's the essence of prayer. The appropriate approach to prayer is established in the Lord's Prayer. And I'll just make these three final observations. The first, as, as has been said several times before, is that we're invited to pray to a loving Father. Father is the term that's used. Keep that in mind. The intimacy that allows us to approach God as a loving Father is made possible by Christ's invitation to us to call him Father. We call God Father, our Heavenly Father, at the invitation of Jesus so we can be confident. And we have to always remember that when we say Heavenly Father, we're not basing our opinion of who he is based on the example or role model of any human father we've ever known. It's the other way around. The better we are at being fathers, the better we are at reflecting who Jesus is. It's, it's that similarity. But, but lest we get silly or sappy about our intimacy with God, we are quickly reminded that this Father is in heaven. He is the one who sits on the throne above the cosmos. He is the one who has created all that we know. Nothing is too grand to bring to him in prayer. We snicker every once in a while when we read a child's letter to Santa Claus. And he says in the letter, you know, Santa, all I really want is world peace. And we know that that's too lofty for Santa to deliver. It's not too lofty for the eternal father. We can't pray big enough to eclipse his power and majesty. And so we, we come with awe and reverence into this Father's throne room that we have. And last of all, I'd remind you that when Jesus gave us the model prayer, he invited us to pray, our Father, not my Father. It, it's our Father, this is the God of all of us. And this is why corporate prayer is a part of this prayer emphasis. The Father is the Father of all. We belong to the community of his children, and we are included in the family and have responsibilities to pray for this family. This is 1 Timothy 2. If you need instructions. First of all, then, I urge that supplications 
prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you hear the link between prayer and salvation there? That we pray for the salvation of the lost? How significant those instructions are? That we pray so universally for the family of mankind? And you've heard before the calls to lift up holy hands in prayer continually to pray without ceasing. And so I would encourage you, gather your courage if that's what's necessary. Make plans to pray. And remember that we are praying to the Father who is in heaven, who is the Father of us all. And let's bring ourselves to him. Would you join me in praying? Our Father in heaven, would you hear our prayer today? Would you help us to rebuild the foundation of prayer in this place and in our lives? Would you encourage us that our connection to you and to one another through prayer would be stronger? Would you put it in our hearts, the desire to be taught to pray? To your glory and for the salvation of mankind. Amen. I'm hopeful that you have been using the prayer guides that prompt you to pray every morning and evening in these weeks leading up to Lent. I'm hopeful that you've had the opportunity to use the introspection guide that uh, was a part of last Sunday's presentation. Uh, if you haven't had the opportunity to use those resources from the last two weeks, they are on the table in the lobby, extra copies there. I'll give you this tip. I'm going to invite you at the uh, Ash Wednesday service to enter a new prayer experiment, uh, which is going to invite you to consider who you might pray with during Lent that isn't in your home or related to you. And we'll talk more specifically about that, but I would invite you to consider that uh, so that we can take steps towards rebuilding the foundation of prayer. We have to get the big rocks in the jar first, right? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance to you and grant you peace. Amen.